0: chapter thirteen of fathers and sons this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by roger moline fathers and sons by ivan Turgenev, translated by richard hare chapter thirteen the small detached house in moscow style inhabited by avdotya nikitishna or Evdokia kuchina stood in one of those streets of x which had been lately burnt down. It is well known that our Russian provincial towns are burnt down once every five years. At the door, above a visiting card nailed on at a slant, hung a bell handle, and in the hall the visitors were met by someone in a cap, not quite a servant nor quite a companion. Unmistakable signs of the progressive aspirations of the lady of the house. Sitnikov asked if Avdotya Nikitishna was at home. "'Is that you, Victor?' sounded a shrill voice from the other room. "'Come in!' The woman in the cap disappeared at once. "'I'm not alone,' said Sitnikov, casting a sharp look at Arkady and Bazarov as he briskly pulled off his cloak, beneath which appeared something like a leather jacket. "'No matter,' answered the voice. ENTRE! The young men went in. The room which they entered was more like a working study than a drawing room. Papers, letters, fat issues of Russian journals, for the most part uncut, lay thrown about on dusty tables. White cigarette ends were scattered all over the place. A lady, still young, was half lying on a leather-covered sofa. Her blonde hair was disheveled, and she was wearing a crumpled silk dress, with heavy bracelets on her short arms and a lace kerchief over her head. She rose from the sofa, and carelessly drawing over her shoulders a velvet cape trimmed with faded ermine, she murmured languidly, "'Good morning, Victor,' and held out her hand to Sitnikov. "'Bazarov, Kirsonov he announced abruptly, successfully imitating Bazarov's manner. "'So glad to meet you,' answered Madame Kukshina, fixing on Bazarov her round eyes, between which appeared a forlorn little turned-up red nose. "'I know you,' she added, and pressed his hand. Bazarov frowned. There was nothing definitely ugly in the small plain figure of the emancipated woman, but her facial expression produced an uncomfortable effect on the spectator. One felt impelled to ask her, "'What's the matter? Are you hungry? Or bored? Or shy? Why are you fidgeting?' Both she and Sitnikoff had the same nervous manner. Her movements and speech were very unconstrained and at the same time awkward. She evidently regarded herself as a good-natured simple creature, Yet all the time, whatever she did, it always struck one that it was not exactly what she wanted to do. Everything with her seemed, as children say, done on purpose, that is, not spontaneously or simply. "'Yes, yes, I know you, Bazarov,' she repeated. She had the habit, peculiar to many provincial and Moscow ladies, of calling men by their bare surnames from the moment she first met them. "'Would you like a cigar?' "'A cigar is all very well,' interjected Sitnikoff, who was already lolling in an armchair with his legs in the air. "'But give us some lunch. We're frightfully hungry. And tell them to bring us up a bottle of champagne.' "'You cyberite!' cried Evdoxia with a laugh. When she laughed, the gum showed over her upper teeth. "'Isn't it true, Bazarov, he's a cyberite. "'I like comfort in life,' pronounced Sitnikov gravely. "'But that doesn't prevent me from being a liberal.' "'It does, though, it does!' exclaimed Evdoxia, and nevertheless gave instructions to her maid both about the lunch and about the champagne. "'What do you think about that?' she added, turning to Bazarov. "'I'm sure you share my opinion.' "'Well, no,' retorted Bazarov. "'A piece of meat is better than a piece of bread, even from the point of view of chemistry.' "'Are you studying chemistry? That's my passion. I've invented a new sort of paste.' "'A paste? You?' "'Yes. And do you know what it's for?' to make dolls' heads so that they can't break. I'm practical also, you see. But it's not quite ready yet. I've still got to read Liebig. By the way, have you read Kisliakov's article on female labor in the Moscow News? Please read it. Of course, you're interested in the woman's question, and in the school's, too. What does your friend do? What is his name?' Madame Kukshina poured out her questions one after another, with affected negligence, without waiting for the answers. Spoilt children talk like that to their nurses. "'My name is Arkady Nikolayevich Kirsinov, and I do nothing.' Evdoxia giggled. "'Oh, how charming! What? Don't you smoke? Victor, you know I'm very angry with you.' "'What for?' THEY TELL ME YOU'VE BEGUN PRAISING GEORGE SAND, A BACKWARD WOMAN AND NOTHING ELSE. HOW CAN PEOPLE COMPARE HER WITH EMERSON? SHE HASN'T A SINGLE IDEA ABOUT EDUCATION OR PHYSIOLOGY OR ANYTHING. I'M SURE SHE'S NEVER EVEN HEARD OF EMBRYOLOGY, AND IN THESE DAYS, WHAT CAN BE DONE WITHOUT THAT? EVDOXIA ACTUALLY THREW UP HER HAND. "'Oh, what a wonderful article Elisevich has written about it. "'He's a gentleman of genius.' Evdoxia constantly used the word gentleman instead of the word man. "'Bazadov, sit by me on the sofa. "'You don't know, perhaps, but I'm awfully afraid of you.' "'And why, may I ask?' "'You're a dangerous gentleman. "'You're such a critic. "'My God, how absurd!' I'm talking like some provincial landowner, but I really am one. I manage my property myself, and just imagine, my bailiff, Yerofei, he's a wonderful type, just like Fenimore Cooper's Pathfinder, there's something so spontaneous about him. I've come to settle down here. It's an intolerable town, isn't it? But what is one to do? "'The town's like any other town,' remarked Bazarov coolly. "'All its interests are so petty. That's what is so dreadful. I used to spend the winters in Moscow, but now my lawful husband, Monsieur Kuchin, lives there. And besides, Moscow nowadays, I don't know, it's not what it was. I'm thinking of going abroad. I almost went last year.' "'To Paris, I suppose,' said Bazarov. "'To Paris and to Heidelberg.' "'Why to Heidelberg?' "'How can you ask? Bunsen lives there.' Bazarov could find no reply to that one. Pierre Sopoznikoff, Do you know him?' "'No, I don't.' "'Not know Pierre Sopoznikoff. He's always at Lydia Kostatov's.' I DON'T KNOW HER EITHER. WELL, HE UNDERTOOK TO ESCORT ME. THANK GOD I'M INDEPENDENT, I'VE NO CHILDREN. WHAT DID I SAY? THANK GOD. NEVER MIND, THOUGH. Evdoxia rolled a cigarette between her fingers, brown with tobacco stains, put it across her tongue, licked it, and started to smoke. THE MAID CAME IN WITH A TRAY. AH, HERE'S LUNCH will you have an aperitif first victor open the bottle that's in your line yes it's in my line mumbled Sitnikov, and again uttered a piercing convulsive laugh are there any pretty women here asked bazarov as he drank down a third glass yes there are answered Evdoksia, but they're all so empty-headed for instance My friend Odinstova is nice-looking. It's a pity she's got such a reputation. Of course, that wouldn't matter, but she has no independent views, no breadth of outlook, nothing of that kind. The whole system of education wants changing. I've thought a lot about it. Our women are so badly educated. There's nothing to be done with them, interposed Sitnikov. "'One ought to despise them, and I do despise them utterly and completely.' The possibility of feeling and expressing contempt was the most agreeable sensation to Sitnikov. He attacked women in particular, never suspecting that it would be his fate, a few months later, to cringe to his wife merely because she had been born a princess Dordolyasov. "'Not one of them would be capable of understanding our conversation,' Not one of them deserves to be spoken about by serious men like us. "'But there's no need whatsoever for them to understand our conversation,' remarked Bazarov. "'Whom do you mean?' said Evdoxia. "'Pretty women.' "'What? Do you then share the ideas of Prudhon?' Bazarov drew himself up haughtily. "'I share no one's ideas. I have my own.' "'Damn all authorities!' shouted Sitnikov, delighted to have an opportunity of expressing himself boldly in front of the man he slavishly admired. "'But even Macaulay,' Madame Kukshina was trying to say. "'Damn Macaulay!' thundered Sitnikoff. "'Are you going to stand up for those silly females?' "'Not for silly females, no.' BUT FOR THE RIGHTS OF WOMEN WHICH I HAVE SWORN TO DEFEND TO THE LAST DROP OF MY BLOOD." DAMN— BUT HERE SITNIKOV STOPPED. BUT I DON'T DENY YOU THAT, HE SAID. NO, I SEE YOU'RE A SLAVOPHILE. NO, I'M NOT A SLAVOPHILE, THOUGH, OF COURSE, NO, 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 YOU ARE A SLAVOPHILE. YOU'RE A SUPPORTER OF PATRIARCHAL DESPOTISM. "'You want to have the whip in your hand.' "'A whip is a good thing,' said Bazarov. "'But we've got to the last drop—' "'Of what?' interrupted Evdoksya. "'Of champagne, most honored Evdotya Nikitishna. "'Of champagne, not of your blood.' "'I can never listen calmly when women are attacked,' went on Evdoksya. "'It's awful, awful!' Instead of attacking them, you should read Michelet's book, De L'Amour. That's something exquisite. Gentlemen, let us talk about love, added Evdoxia, letting her arm rest on the crumpled sofa cushion. A sudden silence followed. No, why should we talk of love? said Bozadov. But you mentioned just now a Madame Odinstov. That was the name, I think. Who is the lady? She's charming, delightful, squeaked Sitnikov. I'll introduce you. Clever, rich, a widow. It's a pity she's not yet advanced, though. She ought to see more of our Evdoxia. I drink to your health, Yosodi. Clink glasses. A tok, a a tin tin tin, a talk, a a tin 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 victor you're a rascal the lunch was prolonged the first bottle of champagne was followed by another by a third and even by a fourth evdoxia chattered away without drawing breath sitnikov seconded her they talked a lot about whether marriage was a prejudice or a crime whether men were born equal or not and precisely what constitutes individuality Finally, things went so far that Evdoxia, flushed from the wine she had drunk, began tapping with her flat fingertips on a discordant piano, and singing in a husky voice, first gypsy songs, then Seymour Schiff's song, Granada Lies Slumbering, while Sitnikoff tied a scarf round his head and represented the dying lover at the words, and thy lips to mine in burning kiss entwine. twine arkady could stand no more gentlemen this is approaching bedlam he remarked aloud Bazarov, who at rare intervals had thrown a sarcastic word or two into the conversation he paid more attention to the champagne yawned loudly rose to his feet and without taking leave of their hostess he walked off with Arkady. Sitnikov jumped up and followed them. "'Well, what do you think of her?' he asked, hopping obsequiously from one side to another. "'As I told you, a remarkable personality. If only we had more women like that. She is, in her own way, a highly moral phenomenon.' "'And is that establishment of your father's also a moral phenomenon?' muttered Bazarov, pointing to a vodka shop which they were passing at that moment. Sitnikov again gave vent to his shrill laugh. He was much ashamed of his origin and hardly knew whether to feel flattered or offended by Bazarov's unexpected familiarity. End of chapter 13 Recording by Roger Moline